Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Diana. And this is Pillow Fort Chillers, where we talk about crime, cryptids, or anything that just, you know, keeps us up at night. And there is a lot of it. So today, sorry for the, uh, it looks a little different, but I think that the one thing that actually matters is the audio, so we're just filming at her house, you know, we're having some technical difficulties, but don't you worry about it, we still got a story for you. Yes. But, uh, and we also, uh, I brought everything, except for our cups our cups so we don't really have a drink of the day i mean i have i have g fuel not sponsored and i have water because i just got off of work so and then i gotta go home after this so you know what we're chilling okay we're chilling yeah next and time she also did forget the ring light so next time the lighting will be better okay um diana's not a filmer okay i didn't forget the ring light i just didn't bring it because i thought it'd be fine but it turns out it wasn't fine next time it turns out that diana's house is not well lit. It's a little dark, but it's okay. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't have any, like, built-in lighting except for in the kitchen and then the bathroom. We're going to pretend that the the hurricane knocked out the lights, okay? Oh, the hurricane. The hurricane. Which Here actually, comes the hurricane. Here comes the hurricane. So, the hurricane that, I mean, it was a horse. The a his, hurricane. It was a historic hurricane to hit Southern California, which I think we mentioned in every single episode that we are from Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um... So, of course, me being me, I charged all of our portable batteries. I filled up all our water containers with fresh water. Like, I I, I was like, okay, there's a chance that we're going to lose power for a couple of days, whatever. Bro, it rained. I did zero hurricane prep. I just, like, I didn't even do, we went to Costco, we got some food, but I mean, like, we, we already had to go to Costco, so we just, like, went to the store yeah, but I we, mean, we didn't do any shopping, so that was one thing. We didn't go out and buy anything. And there were so many freaking people there, and yeah. I was like, guys, like, and it ended up just being a little bit. Of, it wasn't even that heavy of rain. It it came down pretty good here for a while, but there was there wasn't a lot of wind. Um, we did get a little bit of flooding, like, but we we do during all storms. I live in a canyon. I get flooding no matter if it's five centimeters of rain or five inches of rain. You know, it'd be like that sometimes, yeah. but we're fine. The hurricane really didn't do a whole lot. I don't even think it knocked out power where we were. We lost, we had a couple, like, spots of I think we, power. I think we flickered for, like, less than one second, like, one time, and not even the whole house, because there's a lamp in my living room that when the power flickers, mm-hmm. it turns on on its own. Mm-hmm. Like, if the power goes out and comes back on, the lamp comes on. So that lamp was on. So I was like, did the power flicker? And he's like, I don't know. My computer didn't turn off because he was on his computer. So I think yeah. only I think only a part of the house flickered. But, like, I don't know. We actually lost, like, power a couple times. Like, everything shut off. The whole no, we went didn't. Dark. But you know what's so funny is that we lose power sometimes when there's not even a storm. Yeah. Well, I think also the it went past you guys. Like, I think it turned. Well, yeah, because it, it hit Palm Desert and Lancaster and, like, that area super, super hard. Mm. So I think it, like, passed over me, and then instead of going towards you, it went the other way. And I know what happens sometimes, because this happens, this happened to me when I was living in Georgia, is sometimes with the way that hurricanes are, they have little tails that whip off. Yeah. And one time, like, when we had Hurricane, I think it was Irma, it turned and it went, it literally was aiming right where I lived in Hinesville, in savannah like the whole thing and then it went and turned off towards atlanta like last minute they literally were predicting it was going to hit us for like three days straight and then it randomly turned but one of the tails whipped and it hit us as 
I think it was either when it finally hit us and it whipped past us, it hit us as a tropical storm, but it actually broke trees and stuff too. Yeah. So there were trees, like when you were driving, there were trees ripped in half and like, like through people's roofs and stuff. Yeah. And it did some serious damage even just from that one little tail that flicked off. And I think that's what happened to us up there because our rain was like, it was like a lot of rain, but it was like, it wasn't heavy enough to where I could just kind of walk out and, and it wasn't super terrible. And even our flooding, like, wasn't even... We didn't have any... My plants are fine. Like, my outdoor plants didn't even get waterlogged. Yeah. Ours... So, like, our... I live in an apartment complex, so we... The complex floods when it rains. Mm. But also... like, the dips. I'm also sandwiched in a canyon in between two large hillsides. Mm -hmm. So, everything washes down. Yeah. Um, So, we just had a lot of flooding. But, like I said, it happens every storm... It went, I from what I was watching it, here, we were watching the storm on our phones, but we were in our pajamas watching Twilight with the window open, just having a good old time. Um, but then we were watching it and it like, the eye missed us. It didn't go over us, but we got like the bulk of the storm and it wasn't even that bad. At that point, it was a tropical storm, but like, you know, l- let me just say, we didn't need to take advice from, from Florida and But there was also Georgia. an earthquake at the same time. In Ohio, yeah. That's crazy. Well, it, I California was, said, excuse me, excuse me. I was seeing so many jokes that was like, that was yeah. like, California gave us an earthquake, so when the floods ruin our houses, we can still collect insurance policies. Oh my god. Yeah. California be like, uh, excuse me, um, stand, stand back. You want to stand a real natural disaster? Okay, yeah. that, they used to say, get out of my territory, bitch. Yeah. Yeah, our insurance only covers, like, fires and earthquakes. We don't fucking cover fucking it's, hurricanes. It's so funny because when I lived in Georgia and I lived in the South and I lived in Texas and stuff, when tornadoes came through, people would just be, like, out and about and, like, n- no, no, ev- like, they don't even care. But if you talk to them about earthquakes, they freak out. And over here, we're over here just like, yeah, earthquake, baby! Let, yeah, and, like, <laughs> let's be honest, but that's how we are about all natural disasters. When I tell you, like... When we were running errands this weekend on Saturday, like, we had to get stuff for the animals and whatnot, like, just food and whatnot. General. People were just living their lives. There were people Vibin. strolling into Michael's, people out grocery shopping. No one was in a panic. People, no people will be in their bed and just be like this, like, to an earthquake, and you're like, hmm. I Go don't back know. to watching TV while you're vibing. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to make it in the episode. Have I told it before on that episode? Where I thought that you were pranking me during an earthquake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you did seriously one of my favorite memories of our friendship because i i wholeheartedly like i slapped the side of the bed expecting to make contact with your head damn she was trying to punch me in the face it was open-handed first of all i'm four years younger than you i terrorized her though like i i terrorized her i was a menace yeah it was the dragging the knife along the door frame to try and scare me. That was that was one of my favorites. I was just telling her earlier, I was like, I think it, I still think that it's so funny that they would just come into the kitchen and I would just be in the refrigerator. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, how long have you been here? I don't know. A while. Why? <laughs> just getting, I'm just times, getting food. There have been times where I would come home from school and Lisa is already in my kitchen making food. So no boundaries here. None. Anyways, I guess we can actually start the podcast now. Mm-hmm. Um, so our historic California hurricane kind of prompted us to write this episode. It was on my list, 
as was the Titanic. Yeah. But when things happen, I kind of get inspired by those events. So we figured we would talk a little bit about a hurricane, huh? Yeah. I love... Yeah. I actually... For those of you who don't know, which most are not going to know, I studied natural disasters in college. I, I was a geology major. My emphasis was on natural disasters. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So natural disasters are like one of my favorite things on the face of the planet. However, I'm going to I'm gonna put in a little pause there. Um, while hurricanes are a natural disaster, they are a weather phenomenon, not something that I studied. So I'm not too great with hurricanes. And hurricanes aren't considered natural disasters. They are natural disasters, but they're a weather natural disaster, unlike fires or earthquakes or volcanoes, where it is the earth moving. So you didn't study, like, tornadoes? No, I studied earthquakes, volcanoes, landslides, sinkholes. Okay. Earth So earth natural disasters, whereas there's, like, air... Oh, okay. Fire. So I was gonna say, so you weren't an airbender. <laughs> no, I wasn't an airbender. I was an earthbender. Okay, okay. Yeah. Occasionally a firebender because that tends to happen within the earth as well. If you could be a bender, what would you be? I would definitely be. Oh, I'm in between. I'm in between water and fire because, like, I don't know. Water bending seems so cool, but like fire bending, like, come on, bro. I so see. I'm an air sign. I'm an Aquarius. So I. Obviously go. go straight to I should be an airbender, obviously. But if anybody knows me, they know that I am an earthy girl. So I think it's just natural you that I would, would be, be an, an earthbender. Earth I think I'd be a firebender. I think so too. You are She's like, You're such a fire sign. Hot hot, hot mama. mama. Oh my god, so are you. Stop. You're such a earthy girl. <laughs> Let me go grab my Birkenstocks and my Nalgene. Oh, my God. Stop. You wouldn't catch me dead in Birkins. No. I'm going to stop. We're going to stop now. You would. Because you can rip my Birkenstocks off of my cold, dead feet. You and Sam, you and Sam, I swear. You see, for me, you better, you better fucking put me down. You better bury me in some beautiful hot strappies. Some no. strappy high heels. Actually, bury me barefoot. Because I'm fucking be entering heaven. I'm here. Hello. No, <laughs> I'm. You know, silence. Crickets. <laughs> I'm just. You know, I'm just. I'm. I'm just gonna be barefoot. Cause right, like, isn't the afterlife supposed to be like all happy, rainbow, sunshine, your best life? I mean, even Jesus wore sandals. He wore okay, some strappy. He wore some strappy. But is it? Heaven's supposed to be your best life? Yes. Okay, then why would I, why would there be shoes present? In my best life, I can wear the most beautiful strappy high heels with no foot pain. In my best life, I can walk around barefoot constantly and my feet never get dirty. Mm. And I never fuck up my And I never get plantar fasciitis. Yeah. That's the life. Mm. I actually have plantar fasciitis, mm. but I just suck it up because I gotta... Mm. We gonna have mojitos in heaven? I don't really like mojitos. Change the drink. Not mm. think about it. All right. So, today we are talking about Sister Mary's Orphan Asylum and the Galveston Hurricane of 1900. St. Mary's uh, Orphan Asylum, as it's called. No, it wasn't an orphanage. <laughs> it was an orphan asylum. 
Um, for all them crazy babies. Yeah, all them crazy fucking orphans. Before we can talk about the hurricane and what, how this ties into what's going on right now, we need to give you some backstory on the asylum. Yes. And the babe, and the crazy babies and the nuns that, um, I don't know, probably hit them with a ruler or something. No. From, from my research, these nuns were nice nuns. However, most of the people who were raised by these nuns are now dead. So, I can't Who can say, say? Who can say? Yeah. It was a, an orphan asylum, which was basically an orphanage run by a group of Catholic nuns who called themselves and were called the Sisters of Charity. Um, the orphanage opened in 1867 and ran until 1900 when the hurricane hit and then eventually rebooted up in a different location and ran until 1968 until people realized that the Catholics were a little iffy sometimes. The Sisters of Charity were called to Galveston by the local bishop to take care of the victims of the yellow fever epidemic, and they actually ran the St. Mary's Infirmary as well. So the Sisters of Charity were actually a much larger group of nuns, but there were 10 nuns that specifically ran the orphanage, and the orphanage originated in the St. Mary's Infirmary, but then eventually did move about three miles down the road to the beach. The Sisters just felt like this was the best thing for the kids in general. One, you know, they're not near all the people dying of yellow fever. And two, they are on the beach, which is calming and relaxing. They're just and... doing it for the kids. Yeah. Wasn't an asylum something different back then? Like, we think asylum, we think, like, for the Crazy criminally people. insane. But wasn't an asylum, like... Just, back in the day, asylums were used for housing, I guess. Or care centers for people who did not have anywhere else to go. So you had orphan asylums, you had insane asylums, you had homeless asylums, you had, you know, an asylum was just a place where people congregated because they had nowhere else to go. Mm. And they were taken care of by a group of people. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. A lot of terminally ill people who weren't, you know, back before cancer was known as cancer and these people were just dying. Right, they had symptoms right. that no one could yeah, figure they out. Were terminal. They would go to asylums to be cared for. You know, mm. whatever. The orphanage started inside the infirmary. They moved them out, whatever. They felt it was best for the children. The asylum was located on the corner of 69th Street and Seawall Boulevard in Galveston, which for those of you who don't do not know, Galveston is, is an island. It is a barrier island. So it is not attached to mainland Texas. It is off the coast. They have this building two buildings that were two stories one girl dormitory one boy dormitory there were some other buildings as well but those were the two main buildings right on the beach and no both funny buildings, business yeah no hanky panky no hanky panky both buildings had balconies that just overlooked the open ocean beautiful beautiful place um and there was like sand dunes kind of like a row blocking them from the actual shoreline mm. um it was by all accounts very beautiful we'll insert pictures and it housed 93 children cared for by the 10 nuns. And unfortunately, a lot of these children were orphans because their parents died during the yellow fever epidemic. So naturally, the nuns took them. And that's honestly so insane. Like, imagine 10 caretakers for almost 100 children. Mm -hmm. That's actually, when you think about it, like, damn. Yeah. During the years leading up to the hurricane in Galveston, I want to touch on this just to kind of like emphasize that Galveston could have been something great. Like it is a good city now, 
Um, but it was it was really up and coming. Um, it was becoming a very, very wealthy city. It was one of the wealthiest cities per capita in the United States. And it was like the third largest in the state of Texas up until September okay, 8th. Okay, girl. Yeah. Up until September 8th, 1900, um, which is when the hurricane hit. Um, and just to give you a little perspective, Galveston at this time had a population of 36,000 people, which is just a little bit smaller than the town we grew up in, which had 50,000 people when we were growing up. And so, our town never felt small, so no. it's like, we felt, it felt like we lived in like nice burbs and not like super urban or like we were like, you know, ass to ass with everybody. But like anywhere you go, there's people walking down the street, walking their dogs, children playing, people on bikes, people who took their daily walks, like every, people at the store. Like it never, it never felt like a ghost town. Yeah, but it was a small enough town where people knew who you were. You know, I I don't know. Like our our city didn't feel like it would be small enough for people to know who you know who everyone was. Maybe like on your street. You know how many times. I would be gallivanting around the center. Gallivanting. Gallivanting around the center, which a lot of people know where the center is, what the center is. I, I hit up Taco Bell, I hit up Starbucks, hit up CVS, If hit you're up from Aberton. La Mirada and you know what the center is from the early shout 2000s, shout out. You know, go hit up the Dollar Movie Theater, you know, whatever. The Dollar Theater. So, but I would come home after a day of gallivanting around the center and my parents would recount my day from me. From all the people who would tell them, oh, I saw Diana. She was at CVS. Oh, I saw Diana. She was at Starbucks. Oh, I saw Diana. She was going to the movie theater. And I'm like, I, I never, do shit. I never got that vibe from our city. It never, but, it doesn't feel that. To be fair, I am very recognizable. <sighs> You're loud. Wow, rude. So rude. Okay. Two, I am large and bright. And in charge? No, I'm bright. Yes, you are bright. Yeah, I I, I take up a lot of room. I'm noticeable. I don't know. I never got that vibe. Like, at least not for me. I never really had that experience. I mean, everybody, you know, we know each other, like, on our street. Well, yeah. But other than that, like. We were raised together. Other than that, it never really felt, like, small or anything. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we just, like, had different experiences. Because, yeah. once again, I'm, like, you graduated high school when I was a freshman. Yeah. So, like. Yeah, but that wouldn't make, like, the growing up experience that different. And, like, experiencing, like, the city feeling small or big or whatever. I think it might have. Actually... Like, I used to walk around with, like, Sarissa, like, when I was, like, 11, you know? I used to walk around and go to the, you know, we'd be come home at, like, midnight or whatever. We all did. We all screwed around, and then my mom started, like, telling me I gotta come home by, like, 9 or 10, and I was like, I don't understand. Like, when I was 11, you used to let me stay out till midnight and go to the dollar, dollar theater and run around and everything, and she finally was just like, well, you know, you're becoming, you know, your body's becoming more of, like, a woman now, and, like... People are going to start, like, noticing you a little bit more as not, like, a child. And that was the first time I was ever kind of, like, I ever had to consider, like, my own, like, age mm-hmm. and, like, my own body and stuff. See, everyone always considered me a child. Mm. I was Katrina's little sister. I was Mike's kid. Yeah, once I hit, like, my parents 13, were I, 13 or 14-ish, and I started kind of coming into my teenage and, like, you know, com- growing up in puberty and stuff. 
that's when they were like, mm, maybe not. I went through puberty, but I also just got fatter. By the way, I've always been fat. Like, just in case anybody was wondering. I've always been fat. Um, you can ask her. She's been trying to make me skinny my whole life. I've not been trying to make you skinny. You've been trying to motivate me. I have been trying to, if you told me you had a goal, I tried to help you hit that goal. But if you told me you didn't want to anymore, then I left it alone. Yeah, but I only started standing up for myself once I was older. Standing Anyways, up for yourself. So I've always been fat. So as I hit this puberty, this I just got fatter along with getting boobs. So it wasn't a threat. I don't think my parents, first of all, my parents didn't really give a shit what I did. I was not well looked after. I hate boobs. They're but awful. But also, I think they knew that no self-respecting kidnapper would look at me and be like, I could definitely pick that thing up and put it in my car. I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> I have no idea what to say. We're going to have to cut so much out of this episode. It's really gone off the rails. It's gone off the fucking rails. All right, Are you surprised? Back. All right. Anyway. The actual, like, name of the hurricane, like, now we have Hurricane Hillary that just decided to hang out in California. The name of this hurricane was the Hurricane of 1900. That is how brutal this storm was. And that is how hard it hit Galveston. Like, they didn't even need to give it a name. They were like, no, this is the, the hurricane, hurricane of 1900. Of all hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was a Category 4 hurricane that hit the southern coast of Texas. And I'll, I'll insert a photo of kind of like the different categories of mm-hmm. um, of hurricanes as they go through and increase. And they, you know, go from like a tropical storm to, yeah. I think it's... Four, then three, then two, then one, right? So one, no. a cat one is the worst? No, cat one is the, the smallest. Oh. Yeah, cat Doesn't five. Doesn't it go up to five? Yeah, yeah, it goes up to five. Yeah, that's right. So it was a four. It was yeah. almost the worst. It was a four, almost the worst. The winds at its peak were up to 140 miles per hour. It's insane. I know. Galveston took the brunt of the storm being a barrier island, which for those who know about barrier islands and geology and natural disasters... Barrier Islands are the unsung hero of any storm moving towards the mainland because they will often take the brunt of the storm and significantly slow um, the storm down. Basically, when a storm is coming over, like, the top of, like, the the ocean or, like, water, mm-hmm. it's, like, flat. And then, obviously, momentum, the first thing that it hits is going to break a lot of the momentum, which is what a barrier island is. And yeah. it's really sad. Mm-hmm. And that, that also goes for outer states and stuff, too, which mm-hmm. tend, like, Florida, you know, like, the tip yeah. of Florida will often Louisiana. be a barrier section where it'll hit, and it breaks onto the on the land right there, which is why the first hit is usually the worst. And I'm going to get so sciencey with you. The reason why, like, actual islands are not considered um, to kind of have the same effect is because there's so much space in between the island and the mainland that it can gain speed again before it hits land again. Uh, but barrier islands, because they are so close to the mainland, it does not have time to pick up its speed and its momentum before it hits the, the mainland again. So it kind of just tapers off, um, which is why Texas didn't get hit nearly as hard as it could have. Weather watchers in Cuba spotted the storm and radioed to Galveston to warn them of this giant hurricane headed their way. 
Uh, but the warnings were ignored, and there were several reasons or excuses for why people chose to listen or chose not to listen to the Cubans and flee. Some did leave the island, but the majority stayed. Some people, you know, said that they didn't believe the warning. They were like, okay, well, it's Cuba. Talking to you, Titanic. Yeah, they were like, okay, well, it's Cuba, so I'm not going to listen to that. Some felt that, like, newer technology that the Cuban weather watchers... Was that a dig at Cubans being stubborn? No, it was a dig at Texans not trusting anybody that's not an American. Oh. Yeah. But Cubans are stubborn. They are. (laughs) But they have freaking amazing coffee and the best food, so... And sandwiches. Oh. I fucking love a Cuban sandwich. Mm -mm. Anyways. Another reason was a lot of people felt like the newer technology that was being used to track weather was unreliable, so they were like, why am I going to up and leave? Like, keep in mind, this is 1900. This isn't just packing your kids into the car and driving across a bridge. Like, you have to take a boat to flee. Like, it's it's 1900. So some people were like, why am I going to go through all this fucking trouble when there's a chance that this technology is not accurate? That it's nothing. Yeah. Some put all their faith... In the fact that their homes were built recently, so it should be able to withstand a big storm. But the biggest reason, and the most prevalent, and why a lot of people who did survive this said that they didn't leave, is that no one believed that a hurricane could actually reach Texas, nor cause significant damage. Because up until this point, yes, Texas had tropical storms, they had other like very small hurricanes, that didn't do a lot of damage. Like, I'm talking, like, no deaths. Maybe some buildings got a little damage. But, like, nothing severe. Up until this point, they had not experienced a hurricane like this. So outer, they had, outer states get some weather. Yeah. They had no idea what this was about to be. Can we just... Can you imagine being one of the f- people that decided not to leave? And the hurricane's about to hit. And, and you're, you're like, realizing oh, that it's about to blow your ass away. Yeah, I have a feeling that the people in this orphanage had a had a few moments like that. Like, can you just imagine, like, you're, you're like, but, but, like, you're genuinely stubborn and you're like, it's no big deal. And then you're just looking on the horizon and you're like, oh, no. I'm just really glad we didn't have that experience this last weekend. Yeah, me too. Me and Kevin actually me talked too. about it because I was like... I was like, dude, I really don't think it's going to be anything, but, like, just in case, because part of my natural disaster schooling was making a plan, no matter what. And so I was like, just in case, we'll hop on I-10, you know, just boogie on out of here, go all the way through to Arizona, you know, we'll not get hit by anything there. Luckily, we didn't follow my plan, because I-10 was completely shut down, because of the flooding had flooded silt all over the freeway. See, I, um, when Hurricane Irma hit where I lived... I paid um, a couple hundred bucks to have someone, I don't know how much it was, it was a decent amount of money to have someone come out. They come out and they um, board up your windows windows, so that the hurricane doesn't blow them out because my whole house, I think that, I think I had like 13 windows or like 11 windows. I had a lot of windows in my house. Yeah. The tall skinny ones. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, so I had them come out and board up on my windows and then last minute it turned and it was just a tropical and it was just rain for where I, at least where I was at. I was so mad about it. Cause I was like, I spent this money and then I had, they had to come out in a few yeah, days. Like, better I know, I know, but I was still so like, Oh my God, why did I waste money? Like, like my ex was like making fun of me and he was just like, you're boarding up your windows. And I'm just like, 
This is my I house, know. dude. I would, me and Kevin were sitting here, and you know how we've been, like, talking about the whole house thing and buying land and whatnot, and a lot mm-hmm. of the house plans that we've been looking at have, like, floor-to-ceiling windows in the great room that cover, like, an entire wall. You know how, like, my Aunt Heather's like house is like window, that? Like a bay window, yeah. Kind of, no, but, like, think more mid-century I get it. Modern. It's like a wall window. I get it. Yeah, but, like, but what I'm saying is the mid-century modern ones where it's the A-frame, so you've got, like, 15-foot-tall windows just going straight up. We were sitting here, and I was like... Okay, so if hurricanes are gonna be hitting California now, we may need <laughs> if that's to a, is that a thing now, we may need to rethink this window situation here. When's dude. the last time a hurricane hit California? Nineteen thirty something. Shut up. It's been almost a hundred years. Yeah, bro, that's wild. Yeah. It is so rare. Science Diana here. It is so rare for tropical storms to form off the coast of California because of how cold our waters are. Yeah. So even if it forms further out and travels towards us, our cold water just shuts that Global shit down. Global warming. Stop being bitches and take care of the planet. Sorry, we both believe in global warming. So if you don't, then you're just going to have to get over it. Yeah, if you don't believe in science, I don't think we're the podcast for you. I may not believe in everything. Like, I may have different opinions about ghosts or not really feel like I believe in cryptids or, you know, certain things that happen. But those are not, that's not science. But, like, global warming, like, come on. Yeah. Ghosts and cryptids are not science. Let's leave the planet a better place than when we found it, okay? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of them felt like the hurricane couldn't even hit Texas or hit it as hard. You was wrong. And they were very wrong. Um, so St. Mary's Orphanage was, like I said, located on the very coast of Galveston Island facing out towards the sea. Um, and as the, the storm is traveling, you know, towards the island, there's actually a significant amount of wind building up and going south, like towards the storm. Despite this, there were waves like freaking hitting those sand dunes right in front of the house like crazy. The tide was already swelling up, and one of the sisters, one of the nuns, Sister Elizabeth Ryan, went into town, because um, like I said, the, the orphanage is about three miles down the road outside of like the city center. She went to town to collect food and other supplies that they would need and stop by the infirmary to get like medical supplies should they need them, and you know, to kind of check in on some of the other sisters and see how they were doing. The other sisters that were at that infirmary, not very Catholic of them, begged her not to go back to the orphanage. They begged her to stay at the hospital until the storm passed. Um, Even they could see that that was just a death wish. But Sister Elizabeth Ryan, being the nun that she is, said, Sorry guys, can't stay. I've got all the provisions for these kids in my cart. And I've got to take it down to them and they're going to starve. To get them through the storm, yeah. Yeah, or they're going to starve. So she went back. Our faithful sister. Good for you, sister. I know. During the afternoon after she returned to the house, the rain continued to grow stronger. The tides in the gulf got higher, causing the crashing waves to start to kind of erode the sand dunes. One of the boys who survived this incident said that they were eroding away, like the waves were so violent, they were eroding away the sand dunes as if they were made of flour. They were just washing away. That Um, is so scary. What's the difference between a hurricane and a monsoon? A monsoon doesn't need warm water to thrive like a hurricane does. Are they the same? Like, do they look the same as far as a storm? No. Hurricanes are a lot more defined, like, when you look at them from the top. 
I keep forgetting there's all these crazy things. Monsoon, typhoon. There's also a cyclone. Not a storm like a hurricane or a summer thunderstorm, but a much larger pattern of winds and rain that spans a large geographic area like a continent or even the entire globe. Mm-hmm. What the? Yeah. And they don't need, like, the existence of warm water to really... Because my neighbor, my neighbor was saying that we get monsoons up in the high desert. That yeah. we have, like, a monsoon season. Mm-hmm. The water quickly eroded away all of the dunes and reached the orphanage. And the sisters decided that it was time to start preparing for what was about to happen. Now it's time. Well, so they had made preparations. But what I mean is, like, they had to start moving the kids to higher ground because the hurricane was there. So what they did is they decided to move all of the children into the girls' dormitory because it was newer and stronger than the other one. They all gathered on in the first floor chapel, and the sisters tried to calm the children by singing a song called The Queen of the Waves. I don't know about you, but if there was a giant hurricane heading towards me, I don't think I would want a song about the waves being sung to me. I don't want to sing a song, sister! Yeah. I'll put the, I copy and pasted the lyrics into these notes, so we'll put the lyrics, and if I can find a clip of the song, maybe we could play it or not. I'll put the lyrics in the description. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't really think, I don't think I would want to sing that while I'm waiting for the hurricane to come freaking blow me away. No, it seems like we're dying. That's what that song seems like, but that's okay. The waters continued to rise, and soon the group had to make their way to the second floor of the dormitory. They continued to sing that creepy-ass song, um, and one of the sisters asked a co-worker to bring her a length of clothesline. One of the older boys who survived said that the children were very frightened, but the sisters were very brave. Um, he kind of elaborated and said that, you know, they would comfort them and, and kiss them and, and stroke their heads and, and just be very kind to them, trying to, to comfort them as best as they could. So by 6 p.m. on Saturday the 8th, the winds were gusting past 100 miles an hour and the entire city of Galveston was flooded. Mm. The residents who stayed behind were fleeing to their second floors, attics, and roofs. Um, But unfortunately, the people who did try and get out onto the roof were often struck by flying debris. Mm. Um, That's so sad. I know. Dude, you're sitting on your roof trying to, like, get out of the freaking flooding and it's like a tree branch just, like, comes and... Oh, no, it wasn't just tree branches. <laughs> I was, was just really like, bad. that was the first thing that came to mind. It's yeah. just like a big-ass tree branch. Just, not just even, not and, even a branch, just a whole tree. Yeah, a whole tree just comes and takes your ass out. Maybe a cow. Mm-hmm. Imagine just like a freaking recycling bin. <sighs> Man, those things are nasty. That would, that would make me want to die. Yeah, I would rather die. <laughs> so around this time, the sisters decided in order to not lose the children... They would tie six to eight children to each sister so that they could stay together. Was not a good plan. Around 7.30 that evening, the main tidal surge and the eye of the storm struck the south shore of the island. Houses along the beachfront were lifted off their foundations and sent flying into houses behind them. From witness statements, it was said that houses were falling upon houses like they were dominoes. At the orphanage... They heard the crash of the boys' dormitory as it collapsed and was swept away by the floodwaters. So crazy. I know. Some of the older children actually did climb up onto the roof of the building, and not long after that, the building was lifted from its foundation and the roof came came caving in, trapping all those who did stay inside. Only three older boys survived this whole thing. 
They were actually found in a tree. Yeah. So three out of 103 people survived. survived. Their names were William Murney, Frank Madeira, and Albert Campbell, and they are how we know exactly what events took place inside the orphanage that day is because they're the only survivors. One of the boys said that he remembered one of the sisters holding on tightly to two children, promising not to let them go as he exited the window to go to the roof. The sisters and children were buried where they were found still tethered together. A lot of them were found somewhat close to the the home and on the beach, except two of them were found on the mainland of Texas, one of which was still tightly clinging to two small children, as the story is told. I cannot find any official evidence of that, but there were no sort of stories citing it, so I do suppose that it is correct which is heartbreaking because if she never gave up her uh, her promise to never let go of them see that for me like the whole thing where they like found them all tied up like that kind of seemed almost sinister to me but um i think i'm just cynical so i mean yeah. they probably just just in case there was act- like water coming through and they weren't drowning maybe they didn't want like the little kids to get like swept away yeah that and, was... or they didn't want the kids to freak out and take off running or something that's what the boys were saying um, was the intention, was that each sister took six to eight kids and tied them to herself so that she could keep them near her. So the little it, groups, yeah. When they were floating, they weren't floating away from each other yeah. and that they could kind of stay together as a group. Yeah. Um, which now researchers say ultimately did end up causing them to drown um, faster than if they would have stayed separate. Um, really? Yeah. The weight... And since some of the kids probably didn't know how to swim. It was dragging everybody down. Yeah. So. Um, Dang. That's sad. The vast majority of those who died, died of, of drowning. The impact that this hurricane had on the island of Galveston was absolutely devastating. More than 6,000 people were dead and their bodies were quite literally scattered all over the island. Um, and close to the mainland after the, the flooding subsided. Nearly the rest of the island was left homeless due to entire neighborhoods being leveled or houses being damaged so badly that they were not livable. The whole island and city of Galveston is said to be haunted. However, there are a lot of accounts specifically tied to St. Mary's and the areas surrounding where the orphanage used to sit. Near where the orphanage was, there is now a Walmart. Of course, there's a Walmart. Yeah. On the coast of Galveston Island, there's a fucking Walmart. Several people... Employees and customers have reported misplaced toys, missing pallets of toy inventory, phantom children's laughter, and cries for parents. And there's even, like, an interview that I watched. There was, like, a, uh, another YouTube channel, and I'll link, I can link it. They did an interview of a woman that's been working at that Walmart for, like, 15 years. And she says she, like, talks to them or plays around with the ghosts and she'll go and like I the toy aisle and be like hey I'm here how are you guys doing and they'll Mm -hmm. like press buttons on toys and stuff yeah and there's like an interview like I said I'll I'll link it Mm -hmm. you can watch it where she is like oh press the button let them know you're here and then they they start like pressing little buttons and stuff and be like sing your ABCs and then turn on an ABC toy and I was like "Uh uh-uh no I don't think so demon so I have the story from a former employee who said that, and this is an account that was given to a reporter, this employee remained anonymous, said that she heard a child crying for their mother. 
so naturally like one does especially if you're a female you go searching for this child um to reunite them but she couldn't find them she searched the whole area around where she heard the crying she called out to them you know saying hey where are you and i'll help you find your mom you know and she could still hear the crying but never found them she recruited other employees as well as um, customers who also were hearing this crying and so by the time that you know this is all going on there were like five people looking for this kid and they were all in aisles like searching and the way that this was described which was terrifying is it always sounded like it was on the next aisle over Mm-mm. yeah so they never found a child they never saw a child crying and suddenly the crying stopped she said that it sounded like the child was always crying on the next aisle over but when she would get there there was nothing there she didn't even see anyone around like there was no other people that could be making this child noise after like the second aisle i would have been done stop looking for that freaking crying i would have been mm. gone goodbye goodbye child yeah there was even a guy that said that he was like work he was there i don't know, I can't remember if he was working there or not but he said he heard um what sounded like um laughing and it sounded he said it's like distinctly sounded like a child and then he was like he called out and was like hello who's there i think it was like at night now that like i I, in the the interview and then nobody answered and he didn't hear it anymore and he was like looking around and there was nothing nothing on the cameras i was like no thank you no thank you yeah so this employee said that it sounded so real that two other employees that were helping her look actually got into an argument um, over trying to find this kid. So one employee was on one aisle, one was on the other, and one of them, let's say the one that's on the right aisle, was like, hey, can't you, like, look, they're right by you. I can hear them. And the other one's like, no. They're what by the you. What are you talking about? They're by you. And neither one of them could find the kid. Yeah. Terrifying. She's on your side. No, she's on your side. No, no. No, no. She's no, on the no, other side. She's a demon. So there's another account from a former employee saying that he marked toy out of stock, which if you've worked in retail, you know, when you mark something out of stock, you have to damage it for most companies. Um, Walmart is one of the companies that you do have to damage the merchandise before you throw it out. Usually there's like a bin marked for mark, marked out of stock items. What? Yeah. You have to damage it? Most of the time it's already damaged, but you have to damage it further so it can't be like taken and used. That is so gross. That is a gross practice. And this is for any of you guys that are interested in, if you if you don't have any shame and you want to dumpster dive, PetSmart and Petco tend to throw like whole ass things out. Food, mm-hmm. toys, things still in packaging and they don't damage it. So Yeah, and don't quote me on this. There are like, you know, listen. I'm not saying I ever did this, but I was a supervisor in a retail environment before. And when I would mark things out of stock, I would just leave it laying around. (laughs) Nothing. Just hanging around. Just hanging around. If it went missing, I don't know. Man, I meant to damage that later. I put it aside to damage it later, and I didn't, and then it was gone. So I don't know what happened. It definitely did not happen with so many cookies. I promise. It didn't. Darn. So he marked the toy out of stock. He damaged it. He put it, you know, in the back. 
And then the next morning when he came into work, so he closed one night and opened the next day. Clopening. Us retail people, we love it. Um, Clopening. Yeah, you never heard of that? I never worked retail. Oh. Yeah, it's when you close and then open the next morning. Ew. Oh, I did it religiously. Because then you have the whole next day off, and then I would also schedule it so that I closed the day after, so that it was like I had two days off in a row, and it wasn't even open. All right. I just really, that's how my Red Bull addiction started. Anyways, so this employee, he marked it out of stock. He came in the next morning, and when he was walking through the aisles, putting things away, he saw that the toy that he had marked out of stock and put away was now on the shelf. And all of the other openers who were there and the people who closed with him the night before had no idea how it got there. Was it still damaged? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and when when we say damaged, like, a lot of times you have to cut things up, you have to write on it with marker, you have to, you know, break it apart. Like, it's not just, you know, you kind of bend it. No, like, you destroy it. It's called destroying it so that it can't be used. Um, so it was destroyed and it was out on the shelf. So... You know, a, a lot of these accounts people write off as pranks, which they very well could be. I'm not saying that these are real ghost encounters. I, I have no idea. But what I am saying is it's a little spoopy, you know? Especially when you're the one finding it. Yeah. No, I mean, my parents' house growing up was a little haunted. Anyways, um, another, you know, instance of haunting that's a little less specific is the Hotel Galvez, which is said to be built on top of where the majority of the sisters and the children were found and buried. These accounts are, you know, a little less specific, but I feel like they are still worth a mention because they're freaking creepy. So guests would hear children running and laughing down the halls, but when they open the door, no one is there. Children crying for parents in the lobby, but there's no child to be seen. The piano. So in this hotel, there's the front desk and the front desk has like a perfect view of the piano area that would be played by, you know, a pianist for ambiance. Like a nice hotel. A pianist? Yeah, it's a really nice hotel. The The receptionist heard the piano being played and no one was there. Um, a female child in 19th century clothing seen bouncing a ball near a couple different staircases within the hotel. And another female child, can't confirm if it's the same child, how are we going to know, also wearing 19th century clothing, seen near a construction zone on the front desk. And this sighting is specifically tied to a group of construction workers who say that they have found, they they saw this, this 19th century female child roaming the hotel all the fucking time. So, you know. They're like, ain't no thing. It's fine. Yeah. yeah like, she she lives here. Kids. They're just, they're they're hanging out. So, yeah, there have been several sightings and, you know, weird instances of people reporting that they're seeing or hearing the ghosts of the children from the St. Mary's Orphan Asylum. It seems like they never really left the coast of the Galveston Island. And that is the story of the hurricane of 1900 and the St. Mary's Orphan Asylum. And the subsequent, you know, Walmart hauntings. Yeah, if you're ever at the Seawall Walmart in Galveston, Texas, let me know if you see them children. If you've ever been there and had a ghost encounter, also let us know. Because... I need to know. If you have a compelling enough story, we will read it on an episode. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that, too. How it would be like if anybody shared their, like, ghost story or something with their us. Their story. Anything that... You share that that maybe we may read some of those comments that are interesting that tie into the different types of things that we cover on the channel. I think that would be really fun. 
Yeah. That will be so fun. It would be a lot of fun. I really enjoy stuff like that. So please tell us your spooky stories, whether it's ghosts or cryptids or cults or anything. Tell Are us. you in a cult? Were, have you ever seen a cryptid? Have you ever had a paranormal experience? Did you kiss Mothman? Better not have. In a Denny's parking lot because if you did, we have beef. I'm going to read a little excerpt from this fucking creepy ass song. I'm sorry. Queen of the waves, look forth across the ocean. From north to south, from east to stormy west. See how the waters with tumultuous motion rise up in foam without a pause or rest. But fear we not those storm clouds round us gather. Thou art our mother and thy little child. Is the all-merciful, our loving brother, God of the sea, and the temptest wild. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that would have given me the most anxiety I've ever had in my entire life. If there was a hurricane flooding my home, and there's a bunch of nuns singing this to me? No. No, no. Imagine you're walking down the street near the old location of the asylum and you just hear some female voices quietly singing this song floating over from the wreckage no no or from the ocean no (laughs) no listen if you if you know me which you know this and kevin knows this not many other people know this i can fuck with a lot of horror movies but if it involves supernatural i'm out and if it involves demonic children I'm so far out that I am in. Okay. Yeah. So you're so far out, you're back in? Yeah. Let's watch a movie about demonic children. I don't watch it, I listen to it. Oh. I keep my eyes closed the whole time. <laughs> All right, well, that is the, that's our little hurricane uh, business, you know. And um, if you i mean everybody was pretty that was involved in that is dead but you know if you're if it was your ancestor i'm sorry to hear it you know yeah sound off though let us know but yeah tell us about your uh, experiences if you've ever been there yeah let us know if you've had any uh spooky sightings at the hotel galvez or the seawall walmart we want to hear about it and we will see you in the next episode Bye. bye